Anyway, hello, I'm Andrew and I, I lead the team here at Trinity and it's so good to see you, uh, especially if you're new, if you're, if you're visiting, uh, you're you know, so, so welcome. So two questions, are you ready? Okay, first question, is it still winter or is it now spring? Okay, is it still winter or is it now spring? And secondly, do you think whilst it's, you know, have you any experience or have you ever kind of come across, some of you will have done, some of you won't, the thought that as well as physical seasons, there are spiritual seasons. Either have a think about that on your own or discuss. Off you go. So you're just thinking about two questions. Is it still winter? Is it spring? And what about spiritually? Spiritually, some of you will be very familiar maybe with the idea of spiritual seasons, some of you not at all. Have a think on your own if you want to by all means or talk to a friend. So here we go. This is, this is on a par with have you put your Christmas tree up yet or not uh, kind of territory. Uh, hands up if it is still winter. Oh, oh, hands up if it's spring. Oh, why? All of those with your hand up now, you are holy and right. All the winter people. I mean, it's, yeah. So you know it's winter, sorry, you know it's spring in Cheltenham when they clear the leaves out the gutters in your road, okay? First sign of spring in Cheltenham is traffic cones down the roads. Not bulbs, traffic cones. Second sign of spring is you're having an argument if you are in a, you know, if you're married, you're having an argument about what weight of duvet do you still have, you know? Are you still 13.5, all available duvets, plus a blanket, or are you just going to autumn, spring? Yeah, you want autumn, spring, don't you? Yeah, you, you want that. Someone's just responding with their phone. I like it. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, shorts. Anyone seen anyone other than a post? Is there anyone, in the anyone here wearing shorts? Dan, you always wear shorts. You don't count. You're like a postman. All right? Okay. Is anyone who's not Dan and slightly weird and, and a postman wearing shorts? No? Any flip-flops in the house? Oh, okay. Maybe it's still winter. Oh, no. Nightmare. Nikki, you win. You can have the 13.5 tog duvet for a little bit longer so bad so bad so here we are we're thinking about if you've been on the journey with us the last few weeks amazing baptisms last week God moves where he's wanted so do you remember we were talking about the fact that of course God is everywhere God can be anywhere God can do anything he wants but God in his amazing love and grace has actually chosen his choice chosen some, some limits, some, some dynamics to how he engages with us, his creation. Just celebrated in communion, God coming in human form, Jesus, fully God and fully human, all at the same time, always. Not sometimes God, not sometimes human, not when it was really difficult, I'll be the God bit, when it's, you know, you know always, all the time. And, but, but of course, when God was in Christ, when God was in flesh, when God was embodied, Jesus wasn't everywhere all of the time. God chose some limit and God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And so the truth is that God is everywhere 
but he's not, to use a Bible word or a theological word, he's not manifest. His glory is not revealed, is not realized, is not experienced fully everywhere because there's something about us made in his image that he takes completely seriously. He says to you, do you want me in your life? Now, now he can say that really, you know, he can say that hard. He can knock on the door. Do you remember a few weeks ago I got you annoyed and, by doing this, you know? Do you remember that? Anyone here? Hello? Anyone alive? Yeah. I once, uh, no, don't go there, Andrew. So anyway, he can knock really hard, but, but he'll move, he moves so often where he's wanted so that's what we've been thinking about. We thought about it individually. We thought, thought about God literally knocking on the door of our hearts. You know, maybe you're here tonight and you don't really know why you're, why you're here. Nothing better on telly. You know, whatever, Traitors is finished. Who watched The Mars Singer? I mean, come on. Um, and, you know, you don't, but you don't quite know why you're here. But it, maybe you feel God knocking. Okay, not really hard, but... There's a truth that you, God takes you so seriously. You're, you're made in God's image. You're a, a woman, a man made in God's image that he is here. And, and the deal is so often with God, the way it works often with God is, is it's only when we open the door. It's only when we step in that actually we experience the fullness of God. That's a word for someone here tonight. You've been standing, waiting for God to sort of kind of, and God is saying, look, step in. We were thinking about it in our households as well, weren't we as well? We were thinking about it for some of us if we're, you know, we've got physical people, other people in our household, but we were also thinking about it in the, the way the Bible talks about a household using a Greek word, oikos, the, the network of people around you, your close network. And we were thinking, do we really want God to move in that network? And we were thinking about the difference between saying, God, I'm really happy for you to show up when I need you. I'm really happy on a Sunday, but you know, Monday's a little bit difficult, definitely not Wednesdays. Do we want God to move in our relationships? Do we want God to move in workplaces, study places, and yeah, in our actual families? We were thinking about that, and here he is, God knocking and saying, I'd love to come in because I want you to experience fullness of life. I want you to have everything now. Our faith is not about kind of hanging on to the end of our lives whenever that might come, hoping we get over the finishing line, get out of jail free card, and that's it. God wants us to have full life right now. God wants us to move from black and white TV to color, full HD, wake up, smell the roses, experience everything right now, right now. On our Alpha course that we're doing, that course that we do for people who want to ask questions about this kind of stuff. Is that you? Another one will start soon. Uh, and someone was saying, so what you're saying, I heard them saying it. Now what they're saying is you could just wait. You could live till you're 82, really enjoying life. And then just on the last moment when you're on your deathbed, you could say, I believe in you, Jesus. And you'd be in heaven. And the person who was in their group said, in theory, yes. But Why? 
I mean, A, it's a really dangerous plan. <laughs> really dangerous plan. B, God would know, because he is God, he's not applying for the job, if you were real, if this was a heartfelt, true opening of the door. But anyway, why would you want to go through life settling for Ryman's Division South when you can be near the top of the Premier League like Arsenal, who beat Liverpool today? <laughs> Just mentioning it, for example. No, do you get what I mean? Why? Why would you settle for less? Why would you settle for less? The God who made you, who knows you perfectly. I've talked a couple of times over the last few weeks. The God who knows, yeah, that stuff that makes you anxious and can deal with it. The God who says you don't have to be driven by fear or anyone's expectation on you, anyone else. You don't have to be, you know, you can experience life in all its fullness now. Do you want it? Do you want it? God is saying, you know, I love you so, so much. Take any perfect parent that you've ever experienced, any taste you've had of what perfect parenting is like. Ask my daughters. They'll tell you what it's like. Any taste of perfect parenting and magnify it more than you can possibly imagine. And you're beginning to think about what it's like to have our perfect father who knows you, loves you, gets you and wants to be part of your life. Not to give you, you know, not to stress you, not religion, not rules, not regulations, but loving, loving, loving kindness. Yes, guidance. Yes, you know, as he has done to me so many times. Andrew, this was a really stupid thing to do. Let's get on and do something better. So do you want God in your life personal? And tonight we're just asking just briefly, do we want God in our church? Correct answer, yes. Real answer, hmm. Do we want God to move in our church? I wonder if you think it's spring. Here's a beautiful picture of spring. I wonder if you think about spiritual seasons. The Bible talks about them a lot, actually. And have we maybe as a church moved from a bit of a period of winter into a bit of a spring? Now, just got to say a couple of things and I hope you'll hear a bit of subtlety in it. Every season has its purpose. So do you know in winter, winter is vital to plants to roots. Plants put their roots down during winter seasons. Sometimes we rightly say that spiritually the stuff that needs to be cleared away, the ground needs to be prepared, maybe the ground needs to be rested. All of these things are true, but actually I think that rooting thing is so, is so significant. And just like individuals are not always in the same season in their life, we have to be careful about saying Trinity is this season and therefore everyone thinks the same. But a few weeks ago, Nikki and I got to go away on retreat and I was praying and I was thinking really hard about what God was saying to us as a church. And I felt God say to me, you have moved. There's a movement into spring and maybe a few of us will feel like, you know, when you answered that question earlier about the physical spring winter, some of you will say, well, you know, it's a bit, it's transitional. 
bit of crossover, but I think I saw a picture clearly of us as a as church. When I, when I joined this church um, uh, seven years ago now, someone had a picture for Trinity, which I really resonated with, and I've shared it a few times, but maybe you've joined us since. And it was about Trinity being like an amazing ship, you know, a sailing um, ship, tall ship. And Trinity had done lots of things. Some of you will know about some of those things. God blessed through Trinity in just the most amazing ways. But, but the picture was that Trinity needed to come back to its harbour, and be refitted. And some of you will know there's some human dimensions to why that happened in our history. For some of you, you're totally unaware of it, but it's, it's there. But for other reasons as well, just there's been a sense of God refitting, I think. And, and the person said, who gave me that picture, someone not in our church anymore, gone off to be leading in another church. They had the sense that Trinity, would there be a time where Trinity would sail again. But this time, not on its own. It would sail with a flotilla, with a bunch of other ships. And then just this last week, someone said, Andrew, I had a picture for you. It was a picture of Trinity as a ship that has been in a harbour, been equipped. Stuff has been gathered and it's time to sail. Now, that could be complete coincidence. It could be me eating lots of cheese as well, David. I'm with you, brother. But I don't think so. I have a sense that God is calling us into a bit of a spring. And maybe that excites you because you're part of this family. Or maybe you want to and you're just wondering. And I want to say you're so welcome because I think you're part of God's story. And the Lord took me to a book called Song of Songs in the Old Testament. And I just want to read you. The words will come up. He took me to this book. And this is a book that sometimes we get bits of it read at weddings. It's a book of intimacy. And it definitely speaks about God's plan and perfect plan for human relationships. But there's a picture here of intimacy with God that I read about I was taken I was taken to and you can see it you can see it there Uh, my lover spoke and said to me arise my darling my beautiful one and come with me sometimes some of us feel a bit uncomfortable about this language talking about us and God but here it is God wanted this in your Bible my Bible See, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth, the season of singing, going to come back to that, has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling. This is a a picture language of Jesus and the church. Jesus, the the groom and and the church, his bride. A picture that comes through the whole of the Bible, right to the last book, which we're going to in a moment or two. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. And I, I said to God, I said, what's this thing, the, the, the season of singing? What is, that, that's the words that jumped out at me. And he took me to a, a, a book that helps explain a lot of the Bible. Called, we call them commentaries. They're known as commentaries. People, and one of those by a guy called Charlie Cleverly. And he said, a season of singing is a time when song emerges every time you open your heart. You open your heart. Anyone sing in the shower? Is it just me? Sometimes I'm just so happy being married to Nikki, I just sing. <laughs> we sensed it a bit tonight, didn't we? We've had, some, we've had some of this already. The last few weeks we've had times for some of us. And again, if you're here tonight and you're not quite sure why, just join in a moment. If you've been here a bit longer, 
a season of singing, a time when, when every time we open our heart, do you notice that? When we open our hearts. And, and there's another bit where Charlie Cleverly sa- says, with the sound of prayer comes the sound of singing. Now this is, I think, beautiful words for just picking up on what is here about intimacy with God. That when there's a real heart intimacy with God, When there's a desire for God, then a song comes on our lips. But you see the link between prayer and singing. Some of us have done this 21 days, haven't we? As we've sought intimacy with God in new ways, as we have really said, God, you know, I want you. I want a relationship with you. Then we have a sense of some springs, some things growing. They might just be very small buds. Maybe it still is winter for you and you just have a sense of the roots going down further. But something is going on. This was the picture I had. This is what these these images, these pictures that the Lord has given of the, the, the Trinity ship sailing. I think there's something here. I think God is saying, sing, sing out of your heart. I really, I really sense that. And it's, it's always personal, isn't it? The Bible is always personal and it's always corporate as well. It's always us. We like to just personalise things. We live in a society that tries to do that, tries to say you're on your own. But it's us. We are the church, the bride of Christ. That might be language you've never heard before, but it's a picture that the Bible gives us. And it's been said When the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. I don't think that's correct. I think it's just the world needs the church at its best. Whatever state the world is in. Here's this call. Here's this invitation. Here's this knocking on the door. Because you see, intimacy with God is something personally and corporately together that needs to be nurtured. There's a discipline to it, Charlie Cleverly says. There's a a fighting for it. I'm genuinely sorry if you're one of those people who have experienced where intimacy in a relationship has been lost. If you're one of those people, so sadly, where, where on the outside things might have looked okay, but on the inside all was not right. And what is true of individuals can be true of churches. We had some very personal reasons here why perhaps God took us into a winter. You don't need perhaps some of you to tell me around the churches of the country and the world at the moment. There is with leaders, there's a, you know, there's challenge, there's culture stuff, there's problems that we just need to say it's not right. Intimacy with God, the real heart cry has to be, has to be nurtured, has to be protected, has to be fought for. I mentioned Revelation, the last book of the Bible. Let's just read another bit about a church which which basically 
went on a journey, and please don't let me be clunky and say this is exactly what has happened with Trinity, because that wouldn't be true. But, but it's this warning here in, in the book of Revelation in chapter 2 where John, uh, one of the followers of Jesus, is given some, some amazing pictures. And there are seven churches that are spoken to and there's particular dynamics that, that are picked out. And this one um, at the beginning of chapter 2 of Revelation is to the angel of the church in Ephesus. Now Ephesus was a, a Roman port and it was a center for commerce and industry and business. And it was an amazing church. Have a, have a listen. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand. This is picture language for Jesus and the authority that he has holding the seven stars. I haven't got time to go into it, but that's what it's saying. The authority. This is Jesus. And he walks among the seven golden lampstands. Each of these lampstands represents one of these churches in the picture that is given. And notice he walks between them. He's with us. He's with with these churches, he knows them intimately. I know your deeds, he says, your hard work and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you've tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. Goes on to say about the great things about this church in this place, Ephesus. You have persevered. You've, you've kept going, it's saying. And you've endured hardships for my name. You've not grown weary. What, what a church. What an amazing church this must be. You would see it from the outside and you would say, here are people who've kept going and persevered. They've, they've spotted when people are trying to give false teaching. They've been true to those who are giving true teaching. And yet the one who has authority, the one who moves around these churches, who knows them intimately, says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. Now, forsaken, he is saying you have left the first love. Not that you've lost the first love. You, you've stepped away from the intimate relationship with me, he's saying to this church. If you do not repent, if you do not turn back to me, if you do not do what I'm calling you to you, I will come to you, here's the warning, and remove your lampstand from its place. No church is guaranteed to exist on the day when Jesus comes back. The church of Jesus Christ will but no individual church. Trinity is not guaranteed if we are not faithful to what God is calling us to. Revelation carries on, but this you have in your favor. You hate the practices of the Nicolaitans. They were a group that were into idols. They put other things, other people in front of Jesus. They made idols out of other things, he says, which I also hate. Whoever has ears, that's us, this is us. Let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the one who is victorious. And here's the promise. Here's God's purpose. I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, eternal life which is in the paradise of God. 
Again, there'll be people here, you're thinking, what on earth is going on here? Stars, lampstands, etc. But I bet you get something from this. I bet you get, as some others are getting perhaps more easily, this is about intimacy. It, the writer is not saying here, you know, like if you start going out with someone and you love spending every possible minute with them and you get, you know, every time you're with them, you get that buzz of energy. He's not, not saying you've got to have that the whole time. He's not saying you've got to pretend like it's the first day that you've ever been on a date with ever. He's, but he is saying intimacy, tenderness, responsiveness, desire, passion with depth not surface. He's saying to us individually, have you got that for me? I'm knocking on the door. And he's saying it to us as a church. He's, he's saying you can look great on the outside. You can look like a church that's going for it in the best possible ways. You can have all of the outward side of it, but you can be hollow on the inside. I'm not saying that Trinity is the same as Ephesus. But I am saying there is spiritual truth here, as there is with the other churches that are described, that we need to listen to. If we're going into a new season as a church family, if we're going to serve God's purposes in Cheltenham, Gloucester, beyond, if we are going to share a message of good news, if we're going to tell people about a God who loves them so much that he would come and be a little baby, that he would live, that he would die on a cross for them, that he loves us so much that he wants us to experience full life now. He wants us to have it all. He wants us to know our destiny. He wants us to know our identity. He wants us to know our purpose. If we're going to serve that, then we need a bit of passion. We need to be able to shout out the name of Jesus. We need a bit of passion. We need that desire. You see, there were three little kind of themes, weren't there, in that? Maybe some of you spotted the first one was remember, remember. Now, some of you are sitting here and saying, well, I can't remember because I wasn't here. Maybe you'll do the personal maths on this. Remember, some of you are here because you're coming back to God. I can see people. I'm not going to point you out. I know you had a passion for Jesus that you want back again. But there are others of us in the room who can remember the times when Trinity was absolutely, and I'm not saying it isn't now, but come on, let's go for it more, where we were known for a desire for intimacy with God. That was the thing, intimacy with God. Everything else followed and flowed from the heart cry, the heart desire. You want stuff personally in your life to get sorted and lined up. Well, start with your heart, with Jesus, with God. Don't ask God to deal with the outside stuff and then get to your heart later or your mind or anything else lighter. Start with the inside. God works from the inside out in you personally as he does with his church, his bride. Remember 
repent, turn back. Say, you know, just like the, do you remember at the baptism service, those who were here, we were talking about the story that Jesus told about the lost son, the prodigal son, or is it the forgiving father? We should really call the story. The first thing the son who went away from his father had to do was remember. Remember where he was meant to be, what life was meant to be like. Second step he needed to do was repent. He needed to go back and say, I'm sorry. Third thing in the passage we just, is to renew, to do again the things you did when you had that first love. There will be couples here, and I appreciate not everyone is in these circumstances at all, but there'll be couples here where you know yourself from your own personal experience exactly what we're talking about. And if you can just take that image, that picture, this is what the writer is saying to a church that might look great on the outside but isn't on the inside. So can we put up my Jesus knocking on the door picture? This is where I'm finishing. Jesus is knocking. Here's the picture by Holman Hunt. Just an extract from it. You remember. It's winter, but there's the glow of spring behind the trees, the light. If you saw the whole picture, it's quite a dark picture. The light is around Jesus' head. He's carrying a lamp. He's knocking on a door that's covered in ivy and the hinges are rusty. Actually, in the picture, his feet are turned. Just, is he going to move away? Is anyone going to answer? He's knocking and the handle is on the inside. God moves where he's wanted. Is he wanted in your heart personally? Is he wanted in your household? And I'm asking us, is he really wanted here, his church? I hope you know that I am not the captain of the ship. You know that, don't you? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is his name. Why don't you just look at the picture a moment? Many people notice the eyes. I'm not going to do the cheesy knocking this week. But hear it. Hear it. Feel it. Are you asking God to do stuff on the outside when he is desperate to come and change the inside? Were you once passionate for Jesus and you're not now and he wants to excite that passion in you it's his gift you can't manufacture it don't try don't try but you can say yes work in me 
for our church family, for Trinity. Do you want to say, yes, God, move, move here. Lead us into greater intimacy with you, into real first love relationship with you. Because everything else will then follow. If you are in winter, please hear no condemnation whatsoever. Each season has its purpose. Maybe you need to be asking God about your roots. If you have a sense that this is winter, just pray now, God, come. Holy Spirit, come. Do what you know is for my best. I trust you. Do your work. What do you need to remember? What do you need to repent? What do you need to renew? There's a few people here who this is the first time that you have felt Jesus knocking on the door of your heart. And he would love you to say yes. He would love you to open the door to him.